Welcome to Think Again, a podcast by Macquarie Asset Management, providing financial advisors with a fresh perspective and innovative insights designed to keep you and your clients a step ahead. Hello, thank you for tuning in. I'm Denise St. Ivany. Joining me today is Brad Klapmeyer, Senior Portfolio Manager at Macquarie Asset Management on the Ivy Large Cap Growth Team. And we are very happy to have you back on the show, Brad. Welcome. Yeah, thanks, Denise. Happy to be back on the show. Really appreciate it. Today, we are highlighting the key themes from our 2024 outlook, actionable ideas for a world in transition. Finding quality stocks in today's markets continues to be a key topic for investors. Brad, you've been on the show before and talked a lot about this, saying it's easy to talk about quality investing, but how do investors actually put that into action? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, And we are totally on board with the key theme of 2024 outlook, which part of that is quality should be front and center. And we would argue that quality is paramount, not only um, in the current environment, which is kind of the basis for the 2024 outlook, but always. But that part is very difficult to do repeatedly and consistently, I think, is a key aspect to quality. And what we would advise, and my belief personally, is the best way to put a high-quality investing strategy into action is to select active managers, yes, not passive, active managers that have a track record of selecting high-quality names. And obviously, this may be a viewed as a self-serving statement as I manage a large-cap, high-quality growth portfolio, but I think there are obviously proven quality uh, merits to quality investing. But secondly, I think it is underappreciated the significant effort and resources that go into executing a successful strategy. So I would, I would advise investors the, the best way to actually put quality investing to action is to not overthink this or outsmart themselves, buy and hold active managers with a strong reputation for staying in the most successful lane, which is high quality, and put that into action. Great point. So with quality at the forefront, where is your team's focus going to be this year to put quality into action and to find those opportunities? Yeah. So again, quality at the forefront, I think that's that's the starting place, and hopefully we'll repeat that a lot this conversation. And I would once again just emphasize we believe quality now and always um, um, just by looking at the evidence of how successful quality can be. And how do you find those opportunities? And I, I completely understand the question, and we are constantly looking for sort of high-quality names that fit our return profile and fit within the portfolio framework, but maybe if I can take a slightly different angle at this question, how we put quality into action and find opportunities. We think one of the biggest opportunities um, we have is not necessarily any single name or a sector or a theme, but our focus on patient investing, avoiding mistakes and continuous improvement. One of the things we believe is an opportunity is to consistently refine and improve our definition of quality improve our um, ability to resist the temptation of quote-unquote shiny objects. Um, and, and I think that shows up in, in the ability to create activity without actually creating action or staying away from activity. Um, a lot of action that portfolio managers create is actually at the detriment of performance. And market sentiment can be extremely powerful. It can be what I've been describing as socially uncomfortable. The Russell 1000 growth was up 42.7% in 2023. 
40, almost 43%, which is just unreal. And I mean, just saying those words, you can feel the emotion that that triggers. And I think this is an area that gets way too little attention because investors spend the time focusing on themes and sectors, and they don't spend enough energy focusing on how emotion can influence the decisions that they make and what mistakes that can produce. So we spend a lot of time here in this area about behavioral finance because we think it is the reason not only that excess returns in the market exist because investors are out making all these mistakes. Um, and secondly, if we can actually steer clear of those emotional mistakes, be grounded in fundamental research, that is the biggest opportunity we have now and always. And, um, and those mistakes permeate all aspects of investing. They permeate the financial markets. And we observe that with the inefficiency I just spoke to around quality investors, that they get lost on their way to investing in quality. We see that in our own investment diligence, where our behavioral biases can permeate our investment team, our quality analysis, our portfolio construction. And we see that in the way we assess ourselves through our continuous improvement. Are we being honest? Are we learning from our mistakes or are we rewriting history in our favor, which does nobody any good in terms of improving? So, you know, the opportunity in this market is after a 43% market return, investors are overwhelmed with these behavioral tendencies. The recency bias that, you know, the strength in the market near term and the good feelings that they have are going to continue forever. The extrapolation hypothesis that investors tend to overweight um, recent information when making decisions about the future on irrelevant data points and overconfidence and theory of regret. All these things are overwhelming to investors right now and have totally lopsided the market to one side. But none of these things that are controlling the market right now describe the quality of a business, the long-term cash flow generation of the business, how much we should pay for that business. But you can see how quickly... Um, you can get away from that true underlying analysis and lean into these extremely powerful forces, um, especially in bull and bear markets. And we think that's the biggest opportunity we have not only in 2024, but 2025, 2026, is to recognize these biases and to work to detach ourselves from those emotions and um, buy, term, buy stocks for the long term and extract that pure underlying value of quality. Sounds like you and your team have a unique way in which you assess quality in a business or company. Love to hear a little bit more about that. Yeah, I, I love hearing that we do something unique. And I, I think that's fair. And I'll describe that uh, because we, we definitely have unique aspects in how we think about quality. But let me first be clear on one thing. And it's because we get a lot of eye rolls around us. We don't think the idea of investing as quality in, in and of itself is unique. Um, a lot of times I can see people on the other side of the table say, oh, here's another quote unquote quality investor, right? So um, part of part of our frustration is, is the fact that we do get those eye rolls, that quality has become so genericized. It's even more frustrating because we believe that quality, the term quality investing has been misappropriated. I know, which is a, which is a powerful statement. And there definitely needs to be more accountability um, if investors are truly quote unquote quality investors, everyone just can't say they buy quality because it sounds cool and has merits, but not follow up on it. And I think what's important to realize is that there are 
layers and layers of work to do to realize if someone truly is a quality investor and and, and um, assessing quality in a unique way. So let me take through take you through a couple of those things that we think we do that are unique in terms of assessing quality. Number one, it, it goes back to those powerful behavioral biases. It starts with recognizing that we are prone to select growth over quality. And it's all those alluring behavioral forces. A lot of them we're feeling coming out of 2023 and that strong 43% market return that come into place when you investment process meets the rubber meets the road, so to speak. Are we staying in our lane? Are we all in our quality? Or are we just saying it because that's what people want to hear, doing it occasionally, and then being sucked into high growth stories with subpar business models or loading up on momentum or chasing earnings revisions or watching stock charts? We think investors ditch quality for growth because that's hard not to do. Growth is mistakenly used to validate quality all the time. And then, of course, we know very well that trouble ensues because there's not those competitive dynamics and competitive advantages that exist. Quality and growth can coexist, but durable growth can't exist without quality. And that's why we start there. So that's the unique aspect is just recognizing those underlying forces. The second thing that we do is unique, gets way more involved if we won't have time to go into it today. Maybe we can have another podcast on this whole aspect, but it's the idea of how we select for quality and how we define quality. Now, some of the underlying characteristics we look for are very familiar with these people, those qualitative characteristics about um, companies' competitive advantages, economies of scale, something that's unique about that business that prevents competitors from entering the market. We also overlay that and supplement that with our quantitative um, uh, uh, quality analysis, which provides a um, more objective view of quality than we can get through our qualitative lens. And we think the the combination of those two really help us focus on what's important in terms of quality. So there are always new areas we're engaged with. Um, in terms of the way we think about it, we're always studying behavioral finance, we're studying industry selection, we're studying competitive advantages, we're studying portfolio construction techniques, the way to weight portfolios, the way to concentrate. That's really our focus. We think that helps us build on our unique ways we think about quality. Definitely a lot of work goes into all the decisions you make. You're looking at a lot of information, so you probably unveil some concerns too. So what are the concerns you have for this year? To be Frank, I think there are more unknowns for 2024 than there were for 2023. And it, it definitely doesn't feel that way if you're looking at the market returns. It feels like we've moved past a, a lot of it. And I think a, a part of the market response in 2023 is everything seemed very controlled. Maybe orderly um, would be a better word, but I don't have that same confidence for 2024. And there's several reasons. It starts with the market strength, just where are we starting from, from an expectation perspective. So high market returns means more optimism, higher expectations. I think it's correct to read that as less wiggle room to be wrong to the downside and be rewarded to the upside. Um, So, you know, to say it another way, we're going to get paid very little for the upside surprise and see significant downside in a case of a more volatile path forward, which is a dangerous setup. And I think the one that's probably more correct than not. And to that point, it's hard to have um, high conviction and the upside surprise 
because of the forces that are still continuing to work their way through the market. So the typical flash to bang on Fed tightening and financial tightening and uh, tightening business conditions is generally underappreciated. It can take as much as 24 months for those um, initial tightening mechanisms, such as the Fed starting to raise rates in March of 2022, to actually work through as economic as slowing dynamics on the economy. And so because it takes forever and it feels like it takes forever for those to show up in the economy and to show up in earnings reports and companies' financials, it feels like we can go ahead and move on. And that's just not the case. And I think we're starting to see some of that weakness start to trickle through. We look at the ISM manufacturing data. Specifically, if you look at new order activity, it's in contraction territory. And this lines up extremely well with companies' margins. Um, it should put significant pressure on companies' margins. We've had artificially high um, operating margins for businesses because of the uh, artificial pricing power that they all received with inflation. So I think there's significant risk that companies will lose that pricing power, and many will, and drive margins and earnings lower. We also look at what we think are very key le leading indicators of, the, of earnings. Um, we call it our Macquarie Asset Management MAM trailing earnings model. We look at ISM manufacturing orders, plus lending standards, plus 10-year yield and Fed fund rates. And what we see within that indicator, which is typically lined up fairly well with year-over-year -year earnings growth for the S&P, is that is signaling a significant decline in forward earnings growth out through 2020, end of this year into 2025. And contrast that where current consensus expectations are looking for 15 to 20% growth in the coming year. So there's just enormous divergence between what um, typical forward indicators would indicate about the path forward for the economy and where current expectations currently stand. We think that's a significant risk. Well, very comprehensive answers there um, about the concerns. So I appreciate that. Um, hopefully you've got a little bit more light to shed, though, on what excites you for 2024. Yeah, obviously we did. We always are looking for opportunities and we can always find them. And two places that I believe are exciting for 2024 are number one, um, active quality investing. And then I think something that, um, maybe a soapbox moment for me is concentrated active investing. And within both of those, I would say for the meantime, while we're going through this period of volatility, stay with large caps. Um, but within that youth, significant discretion. So let's start with active quality. And, you know, I guess a little bit of permission to free, speak freely. People, I, we, I think people have gone off the rails a little bit in terms of what's going on. The outperformance of the highest beta stocks and the underperformance in the highest quality stocks in 2024 was extreme, extreme. It was just like the two tails work, the highest decile of beta and the and the lowest decile of quality were the places to put your money in 2024. And I can I can say um, with high conviction that those are not sustainable places to invest. And to me, it looks a lot like 2020 coming off the pandemic lows and the euphoria that followed that, that obviously turned out to uh, produce a lot of down 50, 60 percent stocks. It also looks like a, a period when I started my career back in 1998 and the 2003, that period of euphoria, I just talked about the equity risk premium during that period as well. And 
yes, the market is extremely concentrated, driven by uh, a large part by the Magnificent Seven, Alphabet, Amazon, Apple, Meta, Microsoft, NVIDIA, Tesla. You can tell I've had some practice talking about the Magnificent Seven, but it's broader than that. And I think investors, um, and we're at risk of this too, seemingly struggle to learn from their mistakes, which I mentioned earlier, and they try to rekindle that playbook that worked over the last 13 years. Equity returns over the last 13 years have been phenomenal. And it's partly been because the Fed has come to save the day and investors believe that the Fed will make equities viable. So it's always buy the dips aggressively. So trust in the Fed and the Fed will make, um, will perpetually reward equity investors. And I don't believe that's true. And I don't think anybody believes that should be true. And so what I think that means is as we change the regime coming over the next 20, 20, 12 to 24 months, that equity investing in equities will be more challenging. Um, soft landing narrative will become more complex. What is currently priced in the ma- markets is not necessarily correct and volatility will increase. And with that, what it means is you need discretion and active quality Investing, I think, is the place that's most exciting for 2024 instead of broad-based passive. Just give me the index because I don't think it's going to work as easily anymore. The second place that excites me in 2024 is opportunity for stock pickers um, um, uh, focused on concentrated portfolios. And again, we do run a fairly concentrated portfolio, so we totally believe in this. And we believe this is concentrated portfolios where managers' best ideas can shine through. And I think investors have been sold a bill of goods. The passive funds owning lots of positions and um, as the best approach to investing, I just don't think is true in an irrational world. And that manager stock picking gets lost through over-diversification. I think portfolio managers are forced into an environment to try to bring down risk, meet the demands of investors and consultants, not to be so volatile, hopefully not get fired. And the one thing they dilute in doing so is returns and performance. So I'm just on my soapbox for a moment saying, let good managers do what good managers do. Let them concentrate in their best ideas. Let them be good stock pickers and own them throughout the duration of that 10 to 15 year cycle and let the value of that really um, shine through. And the solution is diversify across funds, not force your single style fund manager to diversify all your returns away. And we just think that's a very important statement should be the focus, especially as we move back into active managers being, I think, a really great spot for investors going forward. Wow. Well, great points, Brad. Appreciate that. And also great reasons for investors to really consider active managers for their portfolios. Thank you so much for being here today. It was really a pleasure. Thanks, Nate. Happy, happy to be here. It's always fun and an interesting conversation. So appreciate the question. Thanks, Brad. And thanks everyone for listening. Remember, you can read all the insights from our 2024 outlook, actionable ideas for a world in transition. Just visit DelawareFunds.com slash outlooks to learn more. Thanks for listening. Check out the show notes for more information on topics from this episode. And be sure to subscribe to Think Again, wherever you get your podcasts.
This recording is intended for financial professionals and institutional investors only. This is not intended for use with the general public. The views expressed in this podcast represent those of the speaker and are subject to change. Nothing presented should be construed as a recommendation to purchase or sell any security or follow any investment technique or strategy and does not constitute advice, an advertisement, an invitation, a confirmation, an offer or solicitation to engage in any investment activity or an offer of any banking or financial service. Investing involves risk including the possible loss of principal. All examples herein are for illustrative purposes only and there can be no assurance that any particular investment objective will be realized or any investment strategy seeking to achieve such objective will be successful. Past performance is not a reliable indication of future performance. Before acting on any information, consider the appropriateness of it. With regard to your particular objectives, financial situation, and needs, and seek advice. No representation or warranty, expressed or implied, is made as to the accuracy of completeness of the information, opinions, and conclusions presented. In preparing this recording, reliance has been placed, without independent verification, on the accuracy and completeness of all information available from external sources. Macquarie Asset Management is the Asset Management Division of Macquarie Group. Macquarie Asset Management is a full-service asset manager, offering a diverse range of products across public and private markets, including fixed income, equities, multi-asset solutions, private credit, infrastructure, renewables, natural assets, real estate, and asset finance. The public investment business is a part of Macquarie Asset Management and includes investment products and advisory services distributed and offered by and referred through affiliates, which include Delaware Distributors, LP, a registered broker slash dealer and member of the Financial Industry Regulatory Authority, and Macquarie Investment Management Business Trust, a Securities and Exchange Commission Registered Investment Advisor. Investment advisory services are provided by a series of MIMBT. Macquarie Group refers to Macquarie Group Limited and its subsidiaries and affiliates worldwide. Delaware Funds by Macquarie refers to certain investment solutions that Macquarie Asset Management Public Investments distributes, offers, refers, or advises. Other than Macquarie Bank Limited, any Macquarie Group entity noted in this podcast is not an authorized deposit-taking institution for the purposes of the Banking Act 1959. The obligations of these other Macquarie Group entities do not represent deposits or other liabilities of Macquarie Bank. Macquarie Bank does not guarantee or otherwise provide assurance in respect of the obligations of these Macquarie Group entities. In addition, if this podcast relates to an investment, the investor is subject to investment risk, including possible delays in repayment and loss of income and principal invested, and none of the Macquarie Bank or any other Macquarie Group entity guarantees any particular rate of return on or the performance of the investment, nor do they guarantee guarantee repayment of capital in respect of the investment.